Welcome to the Spare Rib audio zine. Spare Rib is a student-run feminist organization located at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. This is Aging in Four Parts, a Dynastic History, written by Tiffany Chang from The Reckoning Edition, published spring 2023. The piece was illustrated by Sam Paisley and page designed by Naya Lunny, read by Tiffany Chang. Special thanks to Dartmouth College Radio for lending Spare Rib their time and space, making this audio zine project possible. Aging in Four Parts, A Dynastic History We're at the end of the 16th century, and we have barely survived the war. War was never new to us, though we never considered that the tiny island to the east, a land of barbarian swordsmen and fierce customs, would encroach so heavily upon our borders. It was never new to us, though we never expected that the celestial dynasty to our north would fall and be replaced with a people so utterly unlearned. We have no choice. Let the commoners join our ranks, let them pass our tests, let our mass of soldiers swell until it becomes greater than a wave. Let us make use of all we've learned from our scholars. But first, separate them out. With tests for those of the commoner class, and tests for those born into military lineage. For the first, we shall test them with combat. For the second, we shall test them with military texts and the Confucian canon. For every man their place, and we promise, despite what the war may bring, we shall not compromise the honor of the warrior class. War became hereditary, an honor bestowed upon men who had never seen the battlefield, and a status promotion offered as a death sentence to commoners. Still, new heroes grew from the waves, building warships that were stronger than ever before. Who saves the dynasty in its hour of need? There's a scene in The Tale of Lady Buck, an old Korean folktale, in which the king thanks Lady Buck for saving the country. If Lady Buck had been born a man, what fear would I have of any barbarian horde? She makes their generals kneel down and revitalizes the spirit of Joseon. We know where to turn when we need a war won by our faith in the social fabric that ties noble blood together. The status of their child is determined by the status of their mother. From Yangban women come Yangban lords, and from Nobi women come Nobi children. They will always be ours. Marry, birth, grow, expand, possess, endlessly. I recently translated an excerpt of a Korean novel in which a woman named Younghae is institutionalized by her family because she refuses to eat meat. She endures unspeakable acts of violence committed by the men in her own family. One day, her sister visits her and begs her to eat. They argue, and her sister blurts out the ultimate threat as a last resort. You. You know I'm being like this because you could die. Younghae turned her head and looked at her blankly as if she was a stranger. Soon afterwards, the question that slipped out shut her mouth for good. Why? Is dying not allowed? It's not that the rest of us want to die, but it seems we have no choice in the matter, whether we live or we die. We survive, but for whom? We're at the end of the 17th century and we have barely survived famine. We die for nothing. Meteors blaze in the sky, and snow buries our crops. Earthquakes ravage the land. All eight provinces starve. Half the population dies in the south, and a quarter in the north, from disease and hunger. The people can't go on like this.
We're at the end of the 19th century, and we have barely survived revolution. From one side, Donghak philosophers embraced Menchus to become one with God. On the other, peasants and northern elites turned violent to correct the failings of the monarchy. Rebellion is brewing, but do you remember our birth? Neo-Confucianism wasn't just a Chinese import. Joseon was born from land reforms, the reformulation of class hierarchy, the redistribution of Buddhist wealth. You rebels, you think you're something new, but are you really? Even the best of ideas grow old, just as the soldier's bones creak with age. A promise, to serve heaven and nourish our better natures. Donghak leader Hewell commands his father, followers to do filial duty to your parents. Respect your husbands, love your children. Ah, uh, there it is, there we go again. The Confucian relationships that tie us together can't be severed all that easily. What about something stronger, more revolutionary? We have a new prophecy for you. Have you heard of the Jonggamnok? The apocalypse will come. After Malse Sasang, the Yi family will fall at the hands of a man named Chong. We will have a new dynasty. Our rebel leaders are more clever than even Zhu Geliang, a minister from the Three Kingdoms period in China, and more skilled than Zhao Zilong, a famous Chinese general. With such a worthy cause, we can never lose. The Seoul Yangban have grown soft with their indulgence. It should not be difficult to take back what is rightfully ours. We're at the start of the 20th century, and we have fallen. Queen Min is dead. The Yi family has fallen, but not by one of our own. What will become of us? I'm tired of being on the losing side, tired of everything we think up made useless because we don't have the fucking guns to force our way. The day after, the year after, many years after, the humiliation refuses to fade for the men who thought knew everything. They make excuses for their defeat. It starts with Yi Guangsu's What is Literature? Our feeble-minded ancestors became slaves to Chinese thought, thereby weakening their own culture. Joseon, a country of Koreans, remains an empty substance, a mere imitation of China. A new Western culture is flooding our land. It is beyond dispute that Koreans must shed their old clothes for new and wash away the accumulated dirt. We must bathe in the light of the new and be ready to freely build a new spiritual civilization. After the annexation, our cultural domain has been completely renewed by a new civilization. In short, Korean literature is born anew. It has no past, only a future. An honorable task awaits the youth who has the will to help build Korean literature. This invention of modern Korean literature pioneered by a man who cheated while spouting nonsense about birthing modernity from wise Korean mothers and good wives, who colluded with the Japanese after spending the critical years of his youth as an independence author, continues, Most Koreans hate him, and for good reason. I hate him too, but the way I'd hate someone I know too well. The older I get, the more I realize that everyone's once thought they'd be young forever. The Joseon dynasty was conceived in a flash of heat lightning, and Neo-Confucianism was the revolution to end all strife. Then came Japan, then came the West, then will come whatever next new thing we're searching for. Iwangsu's earliest stories were stories of same-sex love. He studied abroad, and he found ideas which felt fresh. He returned home and hated what he saw. He became the opposite of who he could have been. But would it have changed anything if he'd remained the same? I'm kept up at night, too, 
by thoughts of keeping up with the times, and by worries that I've become preoccupied with concerns that'll be irrelevant to the future. Loving women, not wanting kids. Maybe it's reactionary. Maybe it's fate. Ignorant mother, bad wife. Perhaps in the future, that's all we'll need to be.